When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts, if you dare. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. On this episode of Newt's World, Harvard President Claudine Gay resigned from her position on Tuesday. Her departure comes just six months after becoming Harvard's first black president. Did she make mistakes in her testimony in Capitol Hill? As she admits in her New York Times op-ed published on Wednesday, entitled, Claudine Gay, what just happened at Harvard is bigger than me. She wrote, quote, yes, I made mistakes. She said her published work contained passages where some material duplicated other scholars' language without proper attribution. But she said she never had claimed credit for others' work, and she stands by her original research. And at the December congressional hearing that started the onslaught of criticism, she wrote, I neglected to clearly articulate that calls for the genocide of Jewish people are abhorrent and unacceptable. Was Gay's ascension at Harvard part of the larger diversity, equity, inclusion plan across colleges and universities nationwide? In their new book, The Diversity Con, David Johnson and Kent Heckenlively take a comprehensive look into how companies and schools are infiltrated and radicalized by DEI theory. I'm really pleased to welcome my guest, Kent Heckenlively. He is an attorney, science teacher, and New York Times best-selling author. Kent, welcome, and thank you for joining me on Newt's World. Thanks for having me, Newt. It's a great honor. Well, and your book is so timely and so important. Let's start, though, with the recent news that Harvard President Claudine Gay and University of Pennsylvania President Liz McGill both resigned, and what that means. Harvard President Claudine Gay, University of Pennsylvania President Liz McGill, and MIT President Sally Kornbluth were questioned at the December 5, 2022 House Committee on Education and the Workforce hearing on, quote, holding campus leaders accountable and confronting anti-Semitism. All three said, that it is context-specific what is considered anti-Semitism. Let's listen to some of that testimony. 
Dr. Kornbluth, at MIT, does calling for the genocide of Jews violate MIT's code of conduct or rules regarding bullying and harassment, yes or no? If targeted at individuals not making public statements. Yes or no? Calling for the genocide of Jews does have, not constitute bullying and harassment? I have not heard calling for the genocide for Jews on our campus. Ms. McGill, at Penn, does calling for the genocide of Jews violate Penn's rules or code of conduct? Yes or no? If the speech turns into conduct, it can be harassment. Yes. I am asking, specifically calling for the genocide of Jews, does that constitute bullying or harassment? If it is directed and severe or pervasive, it is harassment. So the answer is yes. It is a context-dependent decision, Congresswoman. It's a context-dependent decision. That's your testimony today. Calling for the genocide of Jews is depending upon the context. That is not bullying or harassment. This is the easiest question to answer yes, Ms. McGill. If the speech becomes conduct, it can be harassment. And Dr. Gay, at Harvard, does calling for the genocide of Jews violate Harvard's rules of bullying and harassment, yes or no? It can be, depending on the context. What's the context? Targeted as an individual. Targeted as, at an individual. It's targeted at Jewish students, Jewish individuals. Do you understand your testimony is dehumanizing them? Do you understand that dehumanization is part of anti-Semitism? I will ask you one more time. Does calling for the genocide of Jews violate Harvard's rules of bullying and harassment, yes or no? Anti-Semitic rhetoric, when it crosses into conduct that amounts to bullying, harassment, intimidation, that is actionable conduct, and we do take action. So the answer is yes, that calling for the genocide of Jews violates Harvard code of conduct, correct? Again, it depends on the context. It does not depend on the context. The answer is yes, and this is why you should resign. These are unacceptable answers across the board. The congressional hearing started backlash from the public, including the university alumni and donors. McGill was the first to resign on December 9th, following a call for her resignation from the board of the Wharton Business School and the withdrawal of a donor's $100 million gift to the university. Harvard President Claudine Gay resigned on January 2nd, making her the shortest Harvard president in history, only serving six months. MIT President Sally Kornbluth is now the only president who testified at the December 6th hearing who is still president. Let me start with that. Do you think that her resignation is imminent? I think it is. And I think what conservatives can expect in 2024 is for a lot of scalps to be taken. Now, this is not about vengeance. It's about competence. These jobs in academia should be filled by our very best people. And what DEI has done is it has put some very mediocre people in these positions. They're pushing dangerous ideas and it's harming our youth. And that's why we need to stand up and demand that these people reveal who they are. And if they are not qualified for the job, we need to call for their resignation. I was a little surprised to see that in Gay's case, the president of Harvard, she makes $900,000 a year. She's still going to make $900,000 a year as a professor there. And so I'm a little bit concerned that even though she's resigning, 
this is just shuffling her around and we're going to see her in a top position once again. We need to make sure that stuff stops. Well, I mean, isn't there sort of an insider's club at work here? hundred percent. And that's why we need to keep the focus and we need to keep the attention on these people. We need to make sure that the people who ascend to these positions are qualified. And one of the things that kind of gets me is, you know, I'm a person who loves academia. I love the intellectual life. I love debates about ideas. And the fact that these people are so intolerant and are allowed to be instructing our youth. They're creating an intolerance in our youth. The anti-Semitism of the Ivy League is out of control, as well as the anti-Asian prejudice, as shown by Harvard's categorical lowering of Asian American admission to their university. Our country should be a meritocracy. A meritocracy is a stable political system in which anybody can ascend. And when they are pushing this DEI nonsense and saying there are only certain immutable characteristics which render you capable of leadership, that's an idea which needs to be confronted and defeated. What's fascinating about the resignation of President Claudine Gay. And what makes it, I think, sort of a pivot point is that she actually was the kind of perfect product of the DEI movement and the personification of Harvard's commitment to placing diversity and inclusion over meritocracy and honesty. Could you talk a little bit about how that occurred at Harvard and how that movement became so dominant? Well, this DEI philosophy is something that has been in the works for years. So this is something that's grown up over the past 20, 30 years. And so it's not surprising that we're seeing kind of the flowering of the DEI movement. And so it's in full flower. And this is the time where they're supposed to show us how wonderful they are. And it's just been a disaster. So that's why we as conservatives need to confront this philosophy. We need them to debate us in the public eye, because when they do, the public will see the absolute hollowness of this promise and how DEI is nothing less than a civilization-destroying idea. As early as October 24th, the New York Post sent 27 plagiarism allegations to Harvard. And they got back a very blistering letter three days later from Thomas Clare, who is counsel for both Gay personally and for Harvard, which said the allegations were demonstrably false and said all the examples were cited and properly credited. But then, a week later, Harvard's investigation into the allegations began, and it only concluded on December 9th. And it seems to me that, as I read this, I'm going to ask you to comment, but Over two dozen plagiarism charges were brought against her. She allegedly lifted nearly half a page of material verbatim in her 2001 article. In the article, she borrowed four sentences from David Cannon's 1999 book, Race, Redistricting, and Representation, without quotation marks or citations. There are also complaints that she lifted from a 1996 paper 
by Frank Gilliam. I mean, they expelled 27 underclassmen for plagiarism. Yeah. And so, Newt, you and I both write books. I've written 15 books. My books are known for having three, 400 citations in them because I am a stickler for when it's somebody else's idea, I credit that idea. And it is so personally offensive to hear that she has that many allegations of plagiarism. And here I am, you know, I'm a middle school science teacher who writes books. I know not to plagiarize. And the president of Harvard being credibly accused of this and them seeming to find her guilty, I just find appalling. This woman should be so far from any academic institution if she's guilty of those charges. She's still in her New York Times article rejecting the idea. She, in this New York Times op-ed she published on Wednesday, which I think tells you a little bit about her ego. It's entitled, Claudine Gay, What Just Happened at Harvard is Bigger Than Me. And she wrote, I'm quoting, Yes, I made mistakes. She said there was, quote, Some material duplicated other scholars' language without proper attribution. Now, can you imagine if every undergraduate in the country adopted the without proper attribution defense every time they were told that they were plagiarizing? And of course, with the rise of modern artificial intelligence, you're going to see more and more examples of term papers written by computer. And now she said she never claimed credit for others' work. She stands by her original research. I mean, the arrogance implied in this denial is amazing. In the regular world, Newt, that's called a confession. It's only in the Ivy League that that's not a confession. In the Ivy League, it is an explanation for why she's going to remain powerful. And I was surprised that she's apparently going to keep her $900,000 a year salary, even while she ceases to be president and becomes just a faculty member. And this is why I think that conservatives need to keep the attention on these people, because what the entire DEI philosophy is doing is it's disempowering conservative voices. And so we have to take back our power. We have to stand up. We have to speak out. And we need to demand answers. We need to keep going because what happens is that these people have lived in such an insular world that when they come out to the public and try to defend themselves, they look like idiots. And we need to keep the pressure on these people. We need these people to be exposed and we need good people in those positions. They don't have to be conservative. They just have to not be crazy. I think crazy is a pretty good example. By the way, she goes on to say, I love this re-articulation. She says in her New York Times piece, quote, I neglected to clearly articulate that calls for the genocide of Jewish people are abhorrent and unacceptable. Now, I believe that Elise Stefanik, who did an amazing job in that hearing, asked her 17 times. It's not hard to say genocide is wrong. I watched in amazement. I thought, at least first of all, showed great discipline and great restraint in just coming back and saying again and again. So Gay was given 17 opportunities to be clear. <laughs> yeah. And somehow turns it into, I neglected to clearly articulate. I've concluded that this woman is 
a racist, she is dishonest, and she is stunningly arrogant. And that it tells you about the system that promoted her that she could get to be president. Two tools that I think we need to use in 2024 are ridicule and contempt. We just need to go there. We need to state what happened. How is it that the president of Harvard could be asked 17 times to condemn genocide and she misses every single time? Okay, you could get a plumber down the street. You only need to ask him once if he condemns genocide. He knows the right answer. How can the president of Harvard not know the answer? And write it off as neglect. I neglected to clearly articulate. That level of blatant dishonesty in itself is, I think, condemnatory. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Hi, this is Newt. If you live in California or you happen to be visiting, I'd like to invite you to my two upcoming book events in January. Callista and I are both going to be at the Richard Nixon Library and Museum in Yorba Linda on January 9th at 7 p.m. Tickets are available now at nixonfoundation.org. And Callista and I are both going to be at the Ronald Reagan Presidential Foundation and Institute in Simi Valley on January 10th at 5 p.m. Tickets are available now at reaganfoundation.org. I hope you'll join us for a book signing and a talk and a chance to get together and kick off the new year at the Nixon Library and the Reagan Library. Let's talk about your new book, The Diversity Con, which David Johnson, you wrote, because you really look at the whole way in which this DEI has evolved. And I mentioned to you a while ago, a friend of mine had written that we ought to rename it Discrimination, Exclusion, and Intolerance. 
Yeah. So David Johnson is a Project Veritas whistleblower. So this is my fourth book that I've written with a Project Veritas whistleblower. So I'm kind of becoming the unofficial biographer of Project Veritas whistleblowers. So after millions of people see the videos, they come to me and we do a deep dive into it. And David Johnson is a really interesting character because he's 26 years old, black, describes himself as left of center and is gay. And he's a packaging engineer, and he was hired as a contract employee for Hasbro. And within the first week, he's forced to sit through one of these diversity trainings. And he has the presence of mind to turn it on and record it. And he's horrified by what he hears. What he hears in this is that babies as young as six months old can be racist. And he says to himself, look, I'm a minority in this country. I've never felt discriminated against. This is not the American which I grew up. So he turns it over to James O'Keefe. And when James O'Keefe was at Project Veritas, it goes viral. And he goes through this journey of going to conservative conferences, being warmly embraced, and becomes obsessed with this DEI philosophy because he considers it so harmful to the country. And so that's when he hooks up with me. And what we did was we had him go undercover at some of these DEI events that are aimed at businesses mostly and educational institutions to figure out how are they brainwashing people? And it's really kind of interesting because as somebody yourself, Newt, who's an academic, you know that there's a way that you present information and you're trying to get people to be intrigued by it. Let's say it's a three-day conference. The first day of the conference, you kind of get a lot of interesting information. Like you may learn about the Tulsa race riots, you know, where 60 years after the end of slavery, a large number of African-Americans in Oklahoma had become pretty successful and their community was burned to the ground. And so you say, oh, that's really interesting. And so you feel a sense of connection to the people giving you the information. Day two, they present some more troubling ideas, but you know, it's still within the bounds of reasonable thought. Day three is when they go absolutely crazy. That's when they introduce the trans agenda and all sorts of weird ideas, basically saying, giving a Marxist ideal that there's an oppressor and oppressed class. Now, where do you go with that? How can you be only one of two things? I don't want to be an oppressor and I don't want to be oppressed. But that's what they set up as the dynamic in people's minds. And, you know, we also kind of do a deep dive into how the Chinese had brainwashed American POWs in Korea. And it's a real subtle form of brainwashing. It's first, oh, the history you think is true is wrong. Okay, so the history is bad. Then you are bad. Then, hey, but you can become good if you do this. And then I will break you of what you believe about history. I will break you of what you believe about yourself. And then I'll create this new self. And this is a terrifying idea, but you have to understand how it's done. It doesn't start out with the crazy stuff. It starts out with some interesting stuff that, you know, you and I would probably find to be compelling. It's a totally different world and one that I clearly didn't grow up in. You say at one point that 
in one of these classes, before you even saw the professor, that with the backdrop of a rainbow flag, we were presented with ally, gay, intersex, rights, human, lesbian, cisgender, stereotype, asexual, free, homosexual, bisexual, transgender, equal, queer, sexism, identity, and LGBT. What is ally? Ally means you will stand up for somebody's sexual identity. I mean, what strikes me is, and I'm writing a series for the American Spectator starting in 1960, looking at how we evolved to the current situation. Well, what struck me was that the growth of the civil rights movement, ultimately joining in with the anti-war movement during Vietnam, and then along comes a sexual identity movement, which becomes its own massive force and which in many ways is now the most dynamic part of the Democratic Party and many college campuses, the most dynamic part of defining what's legitimate. Am I missing something here? You're absolutely right, because it's easy to destroy things. I think that's the story of the French Revolution. It's really easy to destroy things. What was great about the American Revolution was we wanted to kick out the British, but we really didn't want to have a reign of terror after we won. Yes, some people left and went to England, but we, by and large, we avoided that. And, you know, new confusion about these terms. That's kind of why at the end of the book, we have the Newspeak Dictionary with a little nod to George Orwell, where we say, okay, you want to get the definitions of these things, you can find them. It's easier to destroy than to build. Sam Rayburn, when he was Speaker of the House, he'd been a Texas farmer. He used to say, you know, any jackass can knock down a barn, but it takes a carpenter to build one. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think we're in kind of that cycle where what you have is a group of fanatics who, for some reason, are collectively against Western civilization and against American civilization but don't actually have a coherent alternative and have come together as kind of a coalition of the haters. Yeah. And so I think that's going to be the real challenge for we conservatives is the fact that we look at the academic institutions and we're horrified by what we see. And we know there needs to be a remodel of the academic institutions but it could be so easy for us to destroy the academic institutions. And we don't want to do that. I know very much in conservatism, there is the idea that, you know, let me just go out on my own and maybe I don't need college. But I'm somebody who really advocates for education, while at the same time saying a lot of what you're getting in our current academic environment is not ultimately helpful to you and your success in the future. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. 
Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. We agree that there are things that are deeply, profoundly wrong with many of our institutions, and particularly with many of our elite institutions, what's the solution? Well, I think there's a couple things we can do. First of all, we can rediscover the work of Martin Luther King. Be judged by the content of your character, not by immutable characteristics. Let's talk again about the meritocracy, which allows anybody to rise. I think one of the really interesting statistics I ran across in putting this book together, was to look at the number of hours that students by racial groups spend on academic activities outside of regular school hours. Asian kids spend about 11 hours on average every week. Caucasian kids spend about eight hours. Hispanic and black kids spend about five and a half hours. That's something real and specific. So what we can say is, okay, let's have some measurements. You know, let's say to everybody, all right, if you want to be a really superior student, it looks like you need to be spending nine to 11 hours a week outside of regular school activities, doing something intellectually stimulating. Well, that works out to about an hour and a half a day. An hour and a half a day is not that much. I mean, you could do 30 minutes a day during the week and then, you know, a couple hours on the weekend. And so we need to be looking at what are the strategies for success? The strategies for success is you obtaining skills and hopefully stacking those skills in sort of a talent stack so that not only are you good at thinking you're good at reading, you're good at writing, you're good at public speaking, you can convey information, you can get people to understand what you're thinking and agree to a common course of action. Those are the skills that are necessary for success, not how we're all different. You know, not that, you know, oh my God, I'm a straight man, you're a gay man, all this other sort of stuff. It doesn't matter. And I think that's what was great about David Johnson's perspective on it, because he says, okay, so I'm black and I'm gay. What does that have anything to do with how well I package a product so it arrives to the customer and it's not broken? If you could wave a magic wand, how would you actually reform Harvard? One of the things that I think is great 
is the power of social media. Social media has driven Claudine Gay's resignation because the stupidity of what she said could not survive social media attention. So what we need to do is we need to actively engage with these academic leaders, knowing that the mainstream media won't do its job. Social media will do its job as well as the alumni donors. When the alumni donors hear this nonsense coming from their schools, they will rise up and take action. That's why I think that this is the perfect model for what we need to do all through 2024. And we will have a cleaning house in academia and we will hopefully have non-crazy people at the head of these institutions. And also what we're doing is we're educating the students. So I think that's a really important thing to understand because as much as we talk about the students being brainwashed, well, to be young is also to be a bit rebellious. So I think we need to activate the natural rebellion in the young because I think that they're more open to these ideas than we may think. Which leads me to an idea I've had for a while, but maybe too big a stretch. I think that we ought to require that any school that receives federal aid, that any student that wants to can tape the class they're in. Yeah, I think that's a great idea. Because that would automatically create a sense of outside observation. And I think you would suddenly see a startling drift back towards normalcy from faculty members who right now are arrogant in their isolation. The left wing has opened that door for us because... They have obliterated people's privacy. They've gone after them for all of these things. And so all we're asking for is the same kind of openness with which they've gone after our private lives. And we're saying, hey, look, if you're saying something in the classroom, the students have a right to make a copy of that, to discuss what you said. I mean, that's the idea of education, right? That we discuss these ideas. So why wouldn't we do that? The other problem is very different. I talked a lot about there are five schools in Baltimore City, high schools, in which not a single student can do math. That's about 21 or 2,200 students, and not one can do math. So the problem in higher education is people are being taught, but they're being taught the wrong things. The challenge in these large inner city unionized public schools is they're just not learning To me, that's a crisis for our survival because you're not going to compete with China with a workforce that is illiterate and incapable, and you're not going to have citizens that can make serious decisions if they have no ability to learn. How would you deal with this substantial number of places where literally no learning is occurring? I think you just need to call it an emergency in those areas. Let's figure out what to do. I mean, And I think that you can get the local population on that side because parents want their kids to do better than they did. And so I think that there's a lot that's going on in these communities that can be changed. I'll admit that it's very hard. I teach in a school which is a high-performing school. I don't quite see that population. So I may not have the best view of that, 
But I think that you can look at examples of schools that have been turned around, and there are some strategies you can use. I think the work you're doing is very, very important. This book could hardly be timelier. We're going to remind all of our listeners that your new book, The Diversity Con, The Secrets and Lies Behind the Shady DEI Industry, is available on Amazon and in bookstores everywhere. And I really want to thank you for joining me. I think this is a very important contribution to what is becoming a very big national debate. Thank you very much, Newt. Thank you to my guest, Kent Heckenlively. You can get a link to buy his new book, The Diversity Con, on our show page at newtsworld.com. Newtsworld is produced by Gingrich360 and iHeartMedia. Our executive producer is Garnsey Sloan, and our researcher is Rachel Peterson. The artwork for the show was created by Steve Penley. Special thanks to the team at Gingrich360. If you've been enjoying Newtsworld, I hope you'll go to Apple Podcasts and both rate us with five stars and give us a review so others can learn what it's all about. Right now, listeners of Newtsworld can sign up for my three free weekly columns at gingrich360.com slash newsletter. I'm Newt Gingrich. This is Newtsworld. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote.